You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I'm your host, Kristen Maxwell, and in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Dr. Francis Yahia about how to own the stories of your subconscious. And I'm really excited about this topic today because I think if just about everybody listening understands that our subconscious powers so much of who we are and how we show up in the world. And I think we're going to learn some very interesting stuff today from um, Dr. Francis. So Dr. Francis Yahia is a mental health counselor, Akashic Records reader, archetypal, archetypal, I say that wrong, astrologer, and college professor. She has combined universal laws, metaphysical mythology, and astrology to create theories and tools that help her clients heal subconscious wounds and generational trauma. Okay, how fascinating is that? Anyway, Dr. Francis, welcome to your superpowered mind. Thank you, Kristen. Great to be here. Thank you. My first question is always, what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind? I can say that my superpower is that I have cracked the code of the psyche. Ooh, that's very cool. <laughs> Say more. Say more. So what I've developed is a four-step model that explains the subconscious. At the moment of conception, we are all conceived on an impure thought. This impure thought is sort of like a secret arrangement that we have with our parents, that we are going to keep that secret impure thought in a vault, and we are going to create our entire life on that thought. Let me go further. So the first step of the subconscious moment of conception, you get absolutely everything that is going to be your entire life. At the second stage of the subconscious happens during pregnancy. In pregnancy, we get what we call our language of love, which is based on a conditional version of love. So we were told two pretty big lies. The first lie is that our parents would love us unconditionally. No one has been or ever will be loved unconditionally. That's an inside job and purpose of the lifetime. And the second lie that we were told is that our parents will meet our needs. We're actually born to meet our parents' needs. So what this happens is the secret language in the subconscious development during pregnancy, step two, is we learn this sort of secret language of how when we're born, we're going to go about trying to get our needs met. And it's nobody's job but your own to meet your needs. So it keeps us in childlike mentality and our relationships suffer because we think it's someone else's job to meet our needs because we learn that in pregnancy in the womb. The third stage of subconscious development is actually the birth process. This determines how we're going to transition into life cycles, in particular, our sexuality, and most importantly, our death out of the body. 
all transitions in our life are guided by the exact birth process and what the psyche developed as the understanding and the programming that we should transition into life. And we have to reprogram this. And lastly, this fourth stage of the subconscious development happens from zero to seven after birth. We get what I call a shattered snow globe. At one point during zero to seven, we learn that we are not loved unconditionally and that we're not fully accepted in our family snow globe, so to speak, exactly as we are. This creates ego development, separateness from the whole, and we feel as if now we have to hide our true selves and go about life masking ourselves so that no one figures out that we're unlovable and unworthy. By zero to seven, we have what I call our personal mythology. So now you have your costumes, your location, the characters in your story, and you will continue living this story out for the entire remainder of your life until you learn to master the story and understand who's playing what role and how to rewrite that. That was amazing. There, you said so much there. I was scribbling notes as fast as I could because I <laughs> want to come back and ask you. We are going to have to. I'm just going to go to break right now because rather than get you started on explaining more about how it is that we own our stories, our subconscious stories. Um, so we're going to go to a break. But before we go, can you let people know where they can learn about you and find you to learn more about this? Sure. My website is the best resource, www.dryahia.com. That's D-R-Y-A-H-I-A.com. And that will lead you to my social media, free workbooks, my YouTube channel that's loaded with free videos, etc. Great. Thank you so much. Hang on, everybody. I'm talking to Dr. Francis Yahia. I'm Kristen Maxwell, and we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts and creator of the Superpower Network. Welcome and thank you for making us your go-to place for inspired content, training, and community. The network is so much more than a place for amazing content. It's step one on the path to unlock your superpowers. Listen to one episode daily on the Superpower Network and attune yourself to inspired conversations, higher vibrational living, and much, much more. In step two, you learn with us by watching one of our inspirational videos each week from the IM series. And when you're ready, come grow in community. Our superpower programs offer a unique experience for those ready to harness their superpowers to change themselves, their lives, and ultimately, the world. Go to superpowerexperts.com and take the next step on your path today. Welcome back, everyone. So... I am not even sure where to start. How? But I guess it's this. How did you come up with this model and understanding of the subconscious? Well, as you mentioned at the introduction, I am an Akashic Records reader, an astrologer, metaphysician. So I put together this model through readings with clients, channeled readings that I've had with spirit guides lived experience. I'm also my PhDs in mental health. So from the mental health perspective, a lot of spiritual understanding. I've, I've studied all spiritual traditions and sort of found all of the threads in all of the traditions and 
sort of have like a gift of synthesis and put this all together with a lot of years of study, understanding my own lived experience and client experiences as well. Yes, you definitely have um, synthesized a lot. And what I love is how you've sort of got these um, rules or guidelines of, of that, you know, that love isn't, that they're not going to love parents are not going to love us unconditionally and that people are not going to meet our needs that are, that we're born to meet our own needs. Um, You've definitely pulled that together. Where did you come up with this idea of the, the conception on an impure thought, I guess, how, where does, how, where does that fit in or how would you explain that? So there is a universal law called the law of vibration And every one of us vibrates at a certain vibration or frequency. So let's just call it ABC. When you are being conceived, your parents are vibrating at, let's say, A. Your soul identifies the vibration. So in spiritual literature, we'll hear you pick your parents. You don't physically pick their body. What you're picking is their vibration. So this is something I say to clients. If I was the OBGYN and gifted you a baby and it was just a ball of energy, the logical question would be is, Francis, where's the body? We as humans think that the body is the person, that we're identifying with body, but we're not. We're actually identifying with the energy, which is a vibration. And this is with friends, with lovers, with partners, with employers. So our soul, our energy, looks at the vibration of our parents at that moment of conception. And we have something called Sanchitta karma, which is sort of all of our karma, from all of our lifetimes. In this lifetime, we have something called Prabha karma, which is sort of one little thread. And that's what we connect with, that vibration. Those parents have that same vibration of that karma. And that's when we come in through conception and the rest of the story. So it's actually through our parents that we're able to get what I call the value system, which is basically a big component of our spiritual journey is to really understand our value system define it in measurable terms so we can understand why we're here and we vibrate with our parents, their value system, that impure thought that is linked to our Prabha karma and sort of sets the stage for our spiritual growth in this lifetime. So is it that, and I, I've noticed on some of what your, um, the work on your website is the there's the parent-child you know, our mother, father, child um, relationship. Is that sort of what you're referring to here? Yes. So I have something called the mother, father, child triad. It's from my first book, The Seven Gates, Seven Steps Beyond Self-Awareness. And the idea is that when we choose these parents, we actually end up, if you look at the triangle The child should be at the top, the product of the base, which is mom and dad. But that isn't how it is. What happens is we have what I call a wrong alliance with one of our parents. So if you have a wrong alliance with your father, the base of the triangle is you and your father, and your mother is at the tip. That mother, that parent is what I call the unintegrated parent that becomes the unintegrated shadow 
The shadow is the dark aspects of ourself that run our life in the subconscious because we're not aware of them and we think it's what we are not. So when you look at your parents or anyone and say, I don't like that about a person, I don't like that about my child, I don't like that about my mom or dad, my friend, my lover, it's actually a reflection of your shadow. And so the second step in the model is what don't I like about it because it's a mirror. So I have a statement that I say judgments are confessions and they're great. The more you judge and you tell me what you judge, I know what your values are and then I can help you build a a life on on truth rather than the lie. Because if you're not identifying with your shadow, you don't really know who you are, what you are and what you're trying to do in this world. Yes. I love that. Judgments are confessions. <laughs> and they're great. <laughs> yes, and they're great. I, I forgot that part of it. It doesn't yes. feel great. But yes. So, you know, one of it is this idea, at least that I picked up, is that as we're growing up, you know, especially in the very beginning of our lives, there's this idea that the parents are using us to meet their needs. Absolutely. So part of that, yeah, yes. Part of that impure thought, if you will, is sort of tied into if I get pregnant, let's say when the child is born, your parents had unmet needs from their childhood. And now the child becomes, I I joke with clients and I say, we cook, clean, and counsel for our mother. We become like the therapist to our parents. And it's through us that they live their expectations. So we're here to meet their needs. And then we get married and our partner and our children meet our needs. And it's this vicious cycle we need to stop. So when mom, for instance, I have a client who was lonely and had a child so that she wouldn't be lonely. Husband traveled all the time. Now that child's entire life purpose is tied in with meeting mom's need of loneliness. And as the child goes into the world and becomes an adult, thinks that that's his only purpose, that that's the validation need. We have four major needs. Everybody has love needs because no one was loved unconditionally. But there are three major needs. Most people have one of the three that highlights safety, security, protection, and validation. So let's just use this example. If I make other people happy, if I substitute for your loneliness, I am validated. Now I have worth. And so we go through life thinking that if we do X, Y, Z for someone, gather enough diplomas, enough intelligence, enough money, enough cooking, cleaning, whatever it is, then I am worthy. And that is linked to the unmet need that we were born to serve our parents. And that's the secret language of the womb in astrology that's linked to our moon sign. So we learn this passive aggressive, codependent, sneaky way, manipulative way of getting our needs met through that womb and through that sign of the moon in the astrology chart. Ah, that's interesting. And so then what's the difference then if the major needs, because it's kind of fun to see where you fall, if it's safety, is that the parent is feels very unsafe and is the child then trying to help keep the child being there is presumably helping the child or the parent to feel safer or is it a different 
function? It could be. It could be safety, that your actual home was not safe. You were a constant fight or flight. There could have been violence. There was poverty. So it, it, it depends on how you play out your story. But there was a safety issue in the sense that perhaps you didn't have boundaries or you didn't have rules. And the child is like, oh, I have to make the world safe. So this is linked to trust, mistrust, and how people sort of live in the world. It's linked to the first chakra. The second chakra is the water element. The first chakra is the earth element. That's the boundaries. That's the safety, security. The second chakra is a water element. It's more protection. So it could be emotional safety for the parents. So a lot of my clients counseled their mother or their father. So if you were the therapist to your parent, then that could be the emotional sort of protection needs that you provided. The third is validation. So if you got good grades, if you were competitive, you were athletic achievement, things like that, that would be a validation need. And we all have all four. Fourth is love, fourth chakra. And the heart center, but we all have one major one of those three that I mentioned. Yes, that's funny because as you were describing, I'm like, well, that's me. Oh, wait, no, yeah. that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's me too. <laughs> <laughs> so very interesting. So as you people, I, I can see how just having this awareness, starting to get the awareness helps to... Um, maybe untie some of the assumptions and the beliefs that we're living under. But how do you find people or how do you help people to um, kind of let go of these patterns if they've had them their whole lives? What is that process? Is it the awareness or is there more to it? There is more. I have something called a band aid approach. A is awareness. I is integration and D is do it differently. So you make a good point. You're not going to let go of these patterns. What you're going to do is transmute them. And that's a term in consciousness studies where we actually take transformation, which is behavior change, and we actually transmute that change into a belief change. So you don't necessarily change it. You become aware, you integrate. And then when you do it differently, you transmute it from your behavior change to a belief system change. So I do something with clients first session that I call a psychological x-ray. And with three questions, I can pretty much give you the story of your life and how you're going to live out most of your life. That's just the awareness piece. So I ask about the good and the bad of mom and dad. I ask what you thought of yourself as a child and how others described you as a child. That's the child script. The mother and the father, good and bad qualities are what I call the good and the bad buckets. Mm -hmm. Those three questions, I literally give you on paper a psychological x-ray, and that is everything you're going to live out, how you show up why you create situations that you do, how you're going to interact with other people, friends, family, lovers, employers. So that's the awareness piece. Then the book, the model has seven questions. They're broken up into child questions and adult questions. And now I have a project called spiritual adulting, which is the transmutation. But first you have to become aware. So the first three questions are child questions. Every person, place, thing, or situation that shows up in your life on a degree of one to 10, does not matter if it's you broke your nail or the drama of your life, 
is representative of your mother or your father. So the first question is, is it mom or dad? As soon as you can identify that the situation, the place, the person is your mother or your father, you automatically know you're in a child's state and you can start to shift that. The second question is, what don't I like about it? This is the judgments or values, judgments or confessions, and they're a great step. And the third is, why did I create this and what need or purpose does it have? What does it confirm about me? And this is part of what I call the spiritual TED Talk you have to have with yourself every day. T is for thoughts. E is for emotions, D is for desires. You need to constantly be understanding your thoughts, your emotions, and your desires so that you can move into the adulting step. The adulting step is understanding the need that you have and trying to meet it for yourself via a rule book, via defining it in measurable terms, and identifying how you can meet it for yourself. So the child and the adult steps with just the first three child steps, you get into great awareness and then you move into the integration, which is the adult. The doing it differently is a little bit more complicated. It's integrating that shadow parent that you kicked out of the system. It's difficult for clients because sometimes they have difficulty understanding that they are their mother and their father, especially if there was abuse or a difficult childhood. So that's a little harder to do it differently, but the the awareness, the integration, and the do it differently is the whole process. So I have like this yellow brick road, sort of 12 truths to a spiritual path. I take you to spiritual TED talk. Um, I take you to a spiritual STD, which is to teach you how to say, think, and do. (laughs) And then I take you to a spiritual strip tease, which is where I strip you down naked of the impure thoughts. And then you're at the Emerald City, you've got your ruby bread slippers, and you can bring yourself back home. That's the doing different part. Wow. That there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, that's a lot, but it it, I, it is very logical. I can see how each of those steps just brings such a different awareness of how to look at things because we are so unconscious um, in so many levels of why we're doing things and how we're viewing things. Um, I think that's interesting. So that every, are you saying that every in this, under this model, that everything that happens to us or, you know, every situation, person, place or thing is representative of our mom or dad? What is, can you explain that a little bit more? Yes. So I have this uh, game of life and how to win it. And there's 12 archetypes. So All the archetypes are, we can see this in the chart, they're planetary, sort of the the planets that we see. So whether it's Jupiter, Neptune, Pluto, every one of those archetypes collapse into the mother or father, the moon and the sun. Every single person, place or thing represents an archetype. But if you collapse it to the sun and the moon, it, it will collapse into that. What you're looking for. So let me take you back to that sort of snow globe that gets shattered from zero to seven. So imagine you're at a restaurant with your parents and you're making a scene and mom looks at you with those eyes. At that moment, your psyche says, oh, I'm not wanted in my perfect form. Hence the snow globe is shattered. 
So that sort of fissure that's created there keeps you in a constant child fight or flight mode. So anytime a situation arises, you go into child fight or flight, your limbic system, which is your emotional center, activates. You go into fear, you go into abandonment, all these emotions that sort of arise. And what you're waiting for is mom to look and you say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry I looked at you that way. You're excellent. You're lovable. I'm sorry I did that. So it doesn't matter for 67 years old, we're still waiting for mom and dad to apologize, so to speak, and come and meet our needs. And it never happens. So every single person, place, thing, or situation is an opportunity that the universe gives you for you to show up and meet your own needs. But if we're not aware, we keep expecting and we use that subconscious language and that manipulative sort of sense. And we show up as child waiting for that person or that situation to meet our needs. So those first three steps of awareness are powerful because the third step says, why did I create this and what need does it fulfill or what purpose did I create this for that I'm trying to prove about myself? As long as you create these situations and mom and dad doesn't show up in the form of husband or child or, or winning the lottery, it doesn't matter. Any situation that disappoints is mom or dad. You can confirm you're worthless. You can confirm you're not lovable. You can confirm that fill in the blank. Your unmet need will never get met. Wow. Oh, it's so fun. I could listen to you talk for a long time. <laughs> I've got hours and hours and hours of lecture at from the university on my YouTube. So please have at it. Okay, good. I will. This is fascinating. It's such a um a fun, not fun. I love I think this stuff. <laughs> it's, <fun>. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's dirty and messy, but it is fun. I find yeah. it fun. It's, it's a like puzzle. a puzzle. It's a, it's puzzle. a puzzle. Yeah. Yes. I love the puzzles and what a what an interesting way to look at it. And I can see how valuable it is. And with the birth, so this isn't an interesting one. So you are you're saying the birth process, how is it what actually happens during the birth and how your birth goes? That- yeah, this is fascinating, Kristen. I, I I just have this whole series on the birth right now that I'm working on. It is phenomenal. I call this a psychological homeostasis, the mm-hmm. wisdom of the psyche. So when we're going through the birthing process, everything inside and out that mom is experiencing and we're experiencing is like a struggle. And the way we come out determines how we're going to transition into the world. So I will ask clients a question. They will tell me about their child's birth and it confirms exactly what they're living, let's say, during you know adolescent storm, for instance. That's a common one. So the way that you are that you are birthed, and if you don't know your birth story, it's fine. The next question I ask client clients is what was your first sexual experience? And it's up to the client. If it's penetration, if it's masturbation, if it's touch, it doesn't matter. What the client identifies as their first sexual experience is actually linked to the exact birth story. And it is linked to how you're going to die. So our goal is when we have these small debts every seven years, I have this theory of valor years and neutralizer years. I call them the skinny cows. Mm -hmm. Every seven years, we have an opportunity to have a small death. 
If we don't heed the universe's warning and detach and let go and learn and grow spiritually, we have what's called a Pluto. A Pluto death is a catastrophe. It's like a crisis. It's an illness. It could be a car accident. It could be a death. It could be something that gets your attention, that gets you out of this psychological homeostasis. The difference between psychological homeostasis and physical homeostasis is that physical homeostasis helps you. You're hot, you start to sweat. Psychological homeostasis harms you because it keeps you in that child pattern of trying to seek your unmet needs. And you need some sort of wake-up call. I call it the perpetrator. Just like the perpetrator is the world, when you come through the vagina and your birth, you need a perpetrator in your life to shake you up and to get you in a new direction and get out of the the hell loop, as I call it, when I teach it to my students. Mm -hmm. So we create an illness, we create a divorce, and I'll give you the key words of this perpetrator. Half, sudden, no closure. Everyone's had one of those. Mm -hmm. So like half in divorce, half with the money, half with the time with the kids, half with um with with your money, let's say in 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 a bankruptcy or, or or you were cut down half time in work, let's say during COVID, that perpetrator is there to shake you up, to teach you to change the way that you normally transition, to sort of rewrite the birth story, and it's to link to attachment so that you can let go of things that you're attached to, so that when you actually die and leave the physical body. You don't suffer. So birth and death are exactly related. They're linked tremendously in the psyche. And every small death we have in our life or these big sort of perpetrator deaths are all there to teach us to change the homeostasis of the psyche and to own the story and and attempt attempt to rewrite it. (laughs) Right. That is so fascinating because, well, and I have three daughters and it's just interesting just going through in my own head of like, and maybe this is way, way, way too simple, but you know, the one came out and it was really difficult and she has terrible times with transition. And the second one came out with the cord wrapped around her neck twice. And she's very, very like um, retiring and pulls back in life. And the third one was super easy. And life is super easy for her. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I was born, no anesthesia. The doctor said my mom to hold it. She obviously couldn't. I came flying out. That's how I move into transitions. I rushed through. So what I had to learn with my cancer, what I had to learn with my divorce, I had to learn to breathe, to slow down. So now I pace myself and I sit with things and I give it a day or two before I just write the email and, and say, yes, yes, yes. So it's, a, it's, it's, we have to change. We have to do it differently. Third stage of the band-aid approach, then our birth story so that we can detach from that psyche, that sort of psychic programming mm-hmm. and learn to die much easier. Wow. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It makes so much sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, we are at the end of our time, but oh my gosh, people go check out her website. Go seriously. This is so fun. 
So my website is loaded with free workbooks. I've got an individual model, a partnership model if you're in relationship struggling, family model, a world model for those of you more on the spiritual journey. I've got a 12 truths to the spiritual path. I've got a Patreon spiritual starter kit for those that are just starting out. Hundreds of hours of YouTube. I own a metaphysics college. The lectures are posted on my YouTube channel. Hundreds of hours of mythology, symbology, spirituality, depth psychology, really great stuff to help you on your journey. I really want to get people to really understand their story and they own the story rather than the story owning them. Yes. Wow. That is lovely. And remind people again, just the the name of the website. I'll also put it in the show notes, but it never hurts for those who don't look anything at, you know, if they're just. Yes, it's dryahia.com. That's Y-A-H-I-A.com. And there's, like I said, workbooks and a link to the YouTube and all of my social media as well. Very, very cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time and and explaining so much. it's just, if nothing else, it's like, if this here's a really great map to go and start to understand. And I can see how um, it's a very clear map. Thank you for putting You're that welcome. together. And you mentioned that you mentioned the map on the website. There's a free workbook called the seven gates. It's from my, my book that has the workbook, but the workbook is for free and you could do your child script in your bucket so that you could start populating your own map and the questions are on there. And everybody that's listening can do that for free at home. That's fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here and doing, doing this work in the world and listeners. um, Thank you also for caring about what's going on with you and in your world And until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform. Thank you. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 